1: What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast. I am your host, Matthew Bruning. You can find me at SportsFanaticMB on Twitter. I'll be joined today by my usual Monday co-host, Mr. Dennis Bennett, who you can follow at culture underscore coach, and Mr. Matthew Fox, who you can follow at Nighthawk7734. We are proud to be part of the Drive-In Podcast Network, a ton of great podcasts with music, movies, pop culture, and of course other sports, Uh, some of my favorites 50 year old guys and 50 year old music, I said that backwards it's 50 year old music with 50 year old guys hilarious podcast where they talk about all kinds of music Uh, we've got the Devi Delight as well which I am a big fan of, Chris Stoops and Ricky Valero run that show. They do a great job talking all things Debbie. We're super proud to be part of this network and can't wait to see uh, where this continues to grow. So if you want to check that out, go to musiccitydrivein.com. It's got all of us on there again. Top 10 with Tia Skates to Throats. Geek Vibes Radio, just all kinds of wonderful stuff on there. Uh, Call me by your commentary. Uh, Just a bunch of great podcasts for for everything as well. So for today's episode, we are going to talk about the AFC East, the New York Jets, and the Miami Dolphins. I did want to uh, apologize to you guys up front. Uh, we were having some audio issues as we recorded this episode live on StreamYard. Uh, So there is a couple moments, I believe, uh, we have some pretty bad echo in there. I tried to clean it up as much as possible uh but some of it it, it gets kind of bad for a couple parts throughout the episode we do apologize about that uh very much and we will make sure that that is fixed before our thursday episode where we talk about our wide receiver. so again guys thank you for taking time to listen and uh enjoy the episode <laughs> All right, we are live. We are back and at it again here live on Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, and YouTube. Uh, back from vacation here with Dennis and Matt for another great Monday episode. How are you guys doing today? How were your weekends?
2: You know, I had a great weekend. I'm dragging ass a little bit today, if I'm being perfectly honest. <laughs> Could have used a couple more hours of sleep, but uh, you know we'll get through it. That
3: was me probably when I hit my... My weekend on Friday, I was so tired on Friday afternoon. I'm like, I want to watch some baseball, finally some live sports. And two hours later, I woke up and I and I had passed out on the couch. The cats like curled up with me. Fortunately, I was watching the Braves and the Mets, and it was still zero zero. So I I didn't miss a lot of the action.
1: Yeah, I, I mean I'm glad baseball's back. I've been loving it. it. Sucks that the Indians game got postponed tonight. I was going to throw that up in the background here. Was I've that been. for weather? Yeah, for weather. Yeah, they're, they're a lot of people are freaking out because the White Sox manager is not feeling well and he went home. But now they got it got canceled for weather. I'm, you know, hope to hopefully optimistic this thing's going to keep going. Uh, you know, speaking of COVID nineteen, we were just talking. Uh, I do want to throw this out there. I've seen a lot of people talking about it. If you own a player that tests positive for COVID nineteen, do not just trade them because they end up on the COVID nineteen list. It's, it's NFL's way of putting players on there so that they can do stuff. Like, don't freak out. Uh, you know, we were just talking about they're it. not
3: like, out for the season.
1: Yeah, Justin Jefferson, Keyshawn Vaughn, are two of the guys. Uh, Dennis, so Justin Jefferson did. I know Keyshawn Vaughn did as well. They're not going to be out for the season. Hopefully, it's a two week thing, and they're going to be fine coming back. So don't don't. But freak if
3: your out. league mate wants to pan- panic and yeah. trade you Justin Jefferson because he's gone for the year, you can take that trade.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You can take advantage of other people, but if you're listening, don't don't uh, do that. But some big news dropped. Was that yesterday? Saturday. Saturday, Saturday yeah. that uh, Jamal Adams got traded from the Jets to the Seahawks. We obviously don't do uh, a lot of IDP talk here, but I think it's just a fascinating NFL trade to begin with. What are your guys' thoughts on that trade with uh, with the Jets and Seahawks?
2: Well, if the Jets play their cards right, they'll have a competent head coach by the time they use those two first round draft picks. Uh, you know, McDougal is an all right player. He's no Jamal Adams. He's going to slide right in as in uh, Adams' starting spot for New York. Um, you know, interestingly enough, I am in transportation and uh, Lev Bell had come uh, home to visit his mother and was in the back seat of the car I was driving to take him to his mother's house when McDougal called him to tell him about the trade. Uh, you know, Lev was like, "Hey, Brad," and McDougal was like, "Hey, teammate." And Bell was like, "What?" And uh, it turns out McDougal's from Central Ohio as well, and they played high school football here at the same time, and so they know each other going way back. Um, it was exciting to be for me. It was tough for me not to pull over and say, "Hey, I got to tweet everybody I know and text them that this just happened." Maybe I can be first. Uh, no, but it was cool, you know. Uh, Mr. Bell was you very need the nice voice
3: to text. Option.
2: Yeah, Mr. Bell was very nice. Uh, it was uh, exciting to to hear. Uh, you know, there was a little tit for tat between Jamal and Lev. Uh, you know, it is what it is. It gets blown up uh, in, in uh, you know the era of social media. So, uh, from an IDP standpoint, I don't think it affects Jamal Adams' status. You know, one of the first things I did was uh, reach out to Jordan Rains um, from the IDP four one one Dynasty Nerds writer and the founder of the IDP one two three scoring system and asked because he was said something about uh, this, you know, Jamal Adams, the DB1, whatnot. And I'm like, well, really, what does this do for him from an IDP scoring standpoint? And Jordan was like, well, he just scores the same amount of points on a winning team now, which is good for him. I'm like, all right, that's what I thought. It didn't seem to me. It it wasn't like he's going to go from scoring 200 points to 250 points in an IDP setting. He's just going to still score the same amount of points on a team that has a chance to likely make the playoffs. Um, you know. And, and we've seen Seattle can't draft a first-round pick to save their life, so it was probably a good move for them too.
3: Did that hurt as a Rashad Penny
1: truther?
2: It did, man. It did.
1: No, that's actually what I was going to say. It's a good thing that they traded those two first-round picks because we know they're not going to draft running backs in the next two, next two years. You know, they're set now on defense and so they can kind of focus forward. Well,
3: you know, I think the important thing is if you have a personality conflict between head coach Adam Gase and one of the best young safeties in football, you, you 10 times out of 10 have to choose Adam Gase, right? I mean, who else can give that kind of wide-eyed introductory press conference experience? Well, uh, you know, there's
2: – I don't have anything to add to that.
3: Oh, man, the Jets unintentionally tanking for Trevor.
1: Yeah, that'll be interesting if they end up with the first pick and what they do with Sam Darnold. But uh, as you guys can see scrolling across the bottom there, we are talking about the Jets and the Dolphins. The Jets uh, actually had a pretty good back half of the season last year. Ended up finishing 7-9 and nine after Darnold was out for a little bit with Mono and – Dennis just kind of mentioned it there as he was talking about uh, the Adams trade. What do you guys think on Adam Gase being back next season?
2: Back where? Yeah. I, it's going to take a hell of a coaching job for him to be back in New York, I think. Uh, I, I feel like he's uh, used up the nine lives he gained from carrying Peyton Manning's clipboard.
3: Yeah, I mean – the The thing is, it seemed like he was on a super hot seat at the end of last year. So, you know, short of the Jets making the playoffs, it's kind of hard to see him coming back. But you never know. The Jets seem to be watching what Washington's been going through and said, hold my beer, when they traded Jamal Adams. So they aren't exactly the greatest run franchise. Uh, I can't remember who the coach was they had before Adam Gase, but he had like four or five losing seasons where Mm -hmm. they weren't really competitive and managed to hang in there. So that's the only thing that I guess it also depends on what do the Jets look like. Are they like a frisky seven and nine, eight and eight team that just misses out on the playoffs but looks like they're trending in the right direction? Or are they a three and thirteen train wreck?
2: Yeah. Where are you putting your money at? Yeah. Well you know
3: I just so you know I have that site I like where it gives you the entire schedule and you can play it out, and because I've been doing these previews and I'm getting towards the end, I wanted to make sure that I didn't accidentally suggest that I thought 18 teams were going to make the playoffs. So I ran the scenarios to see what I actually think, and I had I had the Jets at 4-12. and 12.
2: Yeah, Todd, Bowles Todd Bowles was the previous coach.
3: That's right, Todd Bowles. He was very memorable, apparently.
2: Great defensive well, coordinator. He
3: was, yeah, wasn't he Arizona's defensive coordinator when Carson yep. Palmer was their quarterback? I don't remember him having any winning seasons with the Jets, though.
2: I don't know. I didn't look back that far.
3: It's probably better for your health. Probably better for all of our Jets fans.
2: I had a oh, ten and 10? six season. No? So, his first season. There you go.
3: Sorry, uh, I was filling
1: something in. No.
3: But how many years was... So he was with the Jets for four years. 2-5 yeah, and 11 yeah. and 1-4 and 12. I mean, the question... I still think the question is... You know, if, if Gase is in that 3-5 to five wins, he's gone. But...
2: Yeah, I think that the hard thing there is they brought in – Joe Douglas is kind of picked by Gase to be the GM. So there may be some loyalty there to Gase.
3: Well, and last year I was almost willing to give him a little bit of a, a – you know, I, I didn't – the Jets, I'm not going to say they were good. But the second half of the season when Darnold seemed to kind of recover – Mon, the thing about mono it's not just that he missed a couple of games mono kicks your butt physically so I would not imagine that he was like NFL game shape ready when when he first came back so I you know maybe gave him a little bit of a benefit of the doubt they finished seven and nine i think they were six and two over the last eight games kind of shows you some kind of a spark some kind of a pickup so it i guess it really just depends on what kind of jets i just am not i just don't think they have a great roster
1: Yeah. yeah. who hears that nobody hears what the echo
3: This is an
1: excellent audio show where we've all gone to mute. Yeah, sorry. I just wanted to make sure that got fixed. It was it was really bad there for a second. All right, so new edition. Now you're echoing. What's up?
2: Now you're echoing. Am I? And so am I.
1: Yeah, that's what I said. I could hear both of us. That's what I was saying. earlier. It got kind of bad. Let's see. All right, so new additions. It's gone now. Uh, Brashad Perriman, Frank Gore, Denzel Mims, who was drafted in the second, and Lamichael P. Ryan, who's drafted in the fourth. Both Perriman and Gore are on one year deals. Losses and expiring contracts for the Jets. Robbie Anderson and Demarius Thomas both left in free agency. Demarius Thomas still a free agent. Robbie Anderson obviously went and signed with his old head coach from Temple in Carolina. The expiring contracts this year, Bashad Perriman, Frank Gore, and Josh Doxon, but I didn't I realize was on the roster still. Uh, fantasy finishes. Stan Darnold finishes QB 27, uh, 202.16 points again in 13 games. Le'Veon Bell, RB 21 with 149. Jameson Crowder, hundred uh, wide receiver, 34 with 119.7 points Brashad Perriman wide receiver 43 with 102.1. Those were with Tampa Bay and then Ryan Griffin, the best finishing tight end with Herndon being out pretty much the entire season. Uh, He finishes tight end 20 with 64 points. So how much of a step forward do you guys expect from Sam Darnold this year in 2020?
3: Well, I think he has some QB two potential. I mean, last year, I have to look it up. I think he was QB 27, even though he missed uh, quite a bit of time. And, uh, oh, yeah, you have it on your sheet. Yeah, QB QB 27. So even though he missed quite a bit of time and and had some – he had that dreadful game against uh, the Patriots where he was seeing ghosts, I'm pretty sure that gave negative points because I have him on one of my teams and I was thinking uh, everything that I didn't start him. But he seemed to pick up a little bit toward the back half of the season. It's just whether that back half of the Jets season portends things to come or whether it's sort of an outlier. Brashad Perriman could be interesting. Denzel Mims could be interesting. They didn't exactly take a huge step forward with their offensive weapons. They didn't have Chris Herndon and- pretty much at all last year. He was suspended, came back for a game, and tore his ACL really early. I think he only had one target, didn't even get a reception. So he's kind of a weapon that they don't have. Le'Veon Bell, you know, I think they he's capable of more than what we saw last year. They worked a lot on rebuilding their offensive line, which I thought was kind of a, an important point. They drafted and they signed players. They signed Connor McGovern, they signed George Fant, Um, Their first round pick was Macai Becton, I believe. Yep. So they've been working on building up the line, which is going to be both good for Darnold and good for the running game. It'll be interesting to see the AFC East is probably more wide open than it's been in the last twenty years, which is a good thing for them. But they don't have the greatest schedule, or the probably the greatest coach.
1: What are your thoughts, Dennis?
2: I'm trying to get myself to stop echoing.
1: Not echoing now.
2: All right, I think I might have got it. I uh, I agree with. Uh, I think Love Bell is going to have a good year, and, and not just because I got to drive him around here a little bit. Um, I he he's going to be the cog that runs that offense. Um, a eighty catch nine hundred yard season. Thousand yard season, I don't think is out of the realm of possibilities for Bell. Uh, I'm not in on Perriman. You know, the more I've looked at him, uh, the less I'm in there. I think Crowder is likely to get 110 ish targets, 120 ish targets. But I I feel like that they're going to be behind, but not necessarily uh, playing catch up. Uh, They're going to be just running out um running out the clock kind of thing to it's it's gonna be it's you you never like to say a team quits on a season but given the rancor in the locker room towards this head coach you you might see a team that looks like it's saying hey let's just let's get through these games and we'll get on to next season and and uh, you know, see if we can get something better going. They've got some good pieces on defense. You know, uh, Denzel Mims I like a lot, uh, but I think Perryman is what he is. Uh, in that I, I don't think we're going to see a uh, a Parker like breakout from him. You know, last season Perryman had 37 of his 69 targets in the last five games. Prior to that, he only had one game over five targets. And I think while New York doesn't have Chris Godwin and Mike Evans, uh, I think there's a reason that Baltimore gave up on Perriman after two seasons. And if you look back at Perriman's uh, quote-unquote explosion at the end of 2018 with the Browns, he was still only like wide receiver 31 over the past four or five games somewhere in that range 31 to 35. So it wasn't like last season where he did literally come out of nowhere. I think he was wide receiver three or four for the last five games. Um but I I it'll be it's tough for me to see that carrying over. I think it's going to be uh I I've been hearing you know like on Sirius and Bob Harris and Mike Dempsey talking, you know they the, the Jets love Chris Herndon. They they want to. I know they signed Griffin to the extension, um, but teams are running a lot of twelve personnel. They have tight ends that do different things. Herndon is a more athletic, speedier tight end that can work the seams. Uh, you know, kind of in a Darren Waller type of fashion. And so, I, I feel like there's going to definitely. Uh, they're not going to have a terrific year. But there could be some fantasy gold there if your expectations aren't too high.
1: All right. Well, since Dennis kind of hit on on all the questions there, I'll, I'll kind of hit around here and there. Uh, I do think Darnold takes a little bit of a step forward. I think he's going to have to if, uh, if Adam Gase is going to have any shot on staying around. It seems like that's why they brought Gase to the Jets to begin with, was to help improve Sam Darnold. Uh, and so if he doesn't, I ex- definitely expect G- Gates to be gone, but I-, I still believe Darnold's a really good quarterback. So I expect him to take a little bit of a step forward. Uh, Matt, as uh, Dennis was just talking about with Perriman, and I'll ask you as well, Dennis. Uh, so is Crowder the only guy that you guys trust for fantasy uh, from the wide receiver position for the Jets?
2: Yeah.
3: yeah.
1: I, I mean, I think he's clearly the best. 122 targets
3: last year, 78 receptions. He's He's their guy. There's just not a lot of, depth or experience
2: and I think he's being drafted as like wide receiver 43 right now mm-hmm. which is it, it's crazy you know uh, the draft director old Chris miles popped that that uh, little nugget in the uh, um, DQL group chat a little earlier today
3: I mean it's very possible for the Jets that they're their top three people in targets end up being Crowder, Bell, and Herndon in that order, and then receivers kind of slot in wherever uh, they slot in. It's interesting, though, because they have so many vacated targets. Robbie Anderson had 96 targets last year. Demarius Thomas, I don't think we think about him as being you know a big part of it, but he had 58 targets last year. He was basically the wide receiver three for the Jets for most all the season, so there's opportunity for Perriman and Mims, but with you know with this strange off season and you know I tend to agree with Dennis I don't think anyone was thinking about Brashad Paraman at all until two or three games to the end of the season when he kind of got an opportunity to step up for the injuries for Evans and Godwin
1: yeah, I'm I'm interested in Crowder as well. I think the biggest thing is going to be if he can stay healthy. We kind of we've talked about it before. He was on our wide receiver list that we uh, that came out on Thursday, uh, and that was kind of the thing we all talked about was uh, if he can stay healthy, he's definitely going to jump up there. and And he he was a very viable uh, wide receiver too toward the end of last season as well. Uh, so, bell bias aside, with Dennis getting to to drive him around this past weekend, do you guys both think that he can be a viable high end RB two? And do you think that the Jets bring him back in twenty twenty one?
2: I think that yes, he he can be in, uh, an RB two, especially in PPR because he does catch a lot of passes. Um, he's healthy, uh, you know. He's not injured. He's not coming off any surgeries or anything like that. So he's coming into the season uh, in in good shape. And I I don't think they bring him back because I do think they understand they're going to be undertaking a rebuild. They'll let LaMichael P. Ryan or, you know, somebody, some other cheap free agent come in and and be the running back next year. I. I just don't see where financially it would make sense for them to keep him around next year.
3: I think the question of whether he comes back next year is tied up a little bit in whoever the coach ends up being and a little bit in what he looks like on the field um, this season. You know, I think if they saw something closer to what we saw in 2017, Le'Veon Bell, maybe they'd see. Maybe they think about it differently. It is kind of cost prohibitive to keep him. I, I would lean toward him not being with the Jets next year, but you never know. But in terms of him being uh, a high-end RB two, he was he was RB sixteen in PPR last year, which you know if you're going by standard twelve-team leagues would be top half uh, RB two. So and that was with a pretty miserable-looking Jets offense. I th- I think the. The upgrades they made on their offensive line points to the fact that they realized they had some serious blocking problems. If that can be effective, that helps Bell, uh, you know, be able to run behind him. I don't think he has a ton of competition. (laughs) We all love Dennis. I don't think he has uh, a ton of competition. You know, he does have ageless wonder Frank Gore back there. I would imagine um, P Ryan, like a lot of rookies is going to be on a learning curve. And we thought last year, uh, when they brought in Ty Montgomery, that he was going to get a bunch of snaps and, and it never materialized. while Powell didn't get a bunch of snaps last year either. So for as much as they talk about spreading it out and having a committee, Adam Gase gave quite a bit of work to Le'Veon Bell last year. He had 245 rushing attempts and 78 targets. I would expect something similar and maybe a bit of better efficiency.
1: Dennis, you but there a minute ago. It's given Ryan a, uh, extension. The off-season. Do you think Ryan Griffin, guy this year. Didn't, he was very high in the offseason. You're muted. I feel
2: like, I feel like it's now, not good. Now, now the echo's back. Um. Uh, I don't think either one of them are going to be super relevant. Uh, there'll be times, if I had to put my money on who's going to have the more the most tight end two games, I'm probably going to lean Herndon, and I'm probably going to put the over-under at, you know, four, three, you know, something low. Uh, it's not going to I, – I just don't feel like it, it's – I don't think it's going to be a great offense. So, you know, you, as far as, uh, bell coming back, you know, I looked up and there'll be, he has 4 million dead cap after this season. Uh, if the NFL retracts the salary cap by 25 or 30 million, like they said, next year, uh, there's going to be a lot of guys looking for work, um, and having to take a big, big pay cuts to stay in the league next year. So, you know, Bell, it, I, I think it was, uh, wait, what was it? Uh, next year he'd be on, they'd be on the hook for 13 and a half million if they kept him around. So that's a, uh, that's pretty steep. If the salary cap is retracting, you know, by 25 million.
3: So I think probably Herndon and Griffin both have a role, uh, you know, Griffin, for as much as we talked about his opportunity last year, only had 41 targets and 34 receptions. So it's not like he was lighting the world on fire. Hernan was the guy they took in the fourth round 2018. He had 39 receptions, 502 yards as a rookie, which was pretty outstanding. Coming into his third year, you'd expect him to kind of be, be picking up. Unfortunately, a lost year last year, but I think that they like him. They drafted him for a reason, and he's going to end up being the primary tight end.
1: All right, so. Yep, there it is. Matt, can you mute yourself real quick? Let's see. It's not there anymore. Interesting. I do not know what's going on. We'll continue and see what happens, uh, I guess, here. We're having a little bit of audio issues today, guys, so we apologize about that. All right, so over unders now for the the Jets here. Darnold, QB21, 80. I'm sorry, QB21, over or under?
3: I'm going to say
1: slight over. Dennis?
2: Coming. Sorry, I was looking for my rankings. What would you say, QB21? I'm going to say over.
1: Over. I'm going over as well. Let's see here. ADP of 174.33, QB21. Just before him, Kirk Cousins, Drew Brees, and Cam Newton. Are you taking him over any of those three? Nope. Yeah, neither am um, I. After him, Jimmy G, Justin Herbert, and Tom Brady. Are you taking any of those three over Darnold?
2: I'm taking Brady.
3: Uh, depending on where where I'm at in my QB situation, I might take Herbert.
2: Yeah, and well, and we're talking redraft, right?
1: No, Dynasty.
2: Oh, and Dynasty? Uh Probably not. I'm probably sticking with Darnold then.
1: Uh, I would go Herbert. That's just because I love Herbert. Then that that is all. Le'Veon Bell, RB 17 in 2020, over or under? I'm going under.
2: Yeah, I'm feeling under as well.
1: I'm going over. I don't think he's going to have quite as good a year as you guys do. ADP of 59.83, RB 23 off the board. Just ahead of him, Kareem Hunt, David Montgomery, and Todd Gurley. Are you taking him over any of those three?
2: I'm taking him over Montgomery, taking him over. You said Kareem Hunt? Yeah. Over Hunt, but uh, probably not Gurley. Yeah. In Dynasty, it's pretty close. Uh, you know, I'm looking at my redraft rankings. I think I'd take Bell over Gurley. <laughs> uh,
3: I would probably take him over all three. But I love levy on Bell. Can't quit you. <laughs>
1: uh, Yeah, I would not take him over any of those three. Uh, uh, well, I'd probably take him over Hunt just because I don't know where Hunt's going to eventually be, but I, I like Montgomery and Gurley more, at least for this year, for sure. And I don't, I don't think Bell has much longer in him, anyways. Uh, just after him, Melvin Gordon, Chris Carson, and James Connor. Are you taking any of those three over Bell?
2: Probably not, but it's a pretty tight grouping. They're they're not far behind him.
3: I'm sorry, I only recognize two players uh, that are sitting behind him on that list. I probably. I probably wouldn't take either. I would consider Chris Carson. I I still wish we knew whether or not he was healthy because I, I feel like he's in a more dynamic situation with a team that actually loves him. Just, it's hard to say. Coming back from a fractured hip for a running back that happened in week 16 of the NFL season feels feels almost impossible they're saying he's ready to go week
2: well, and Carol does love him, and and he'll lie about j- just about everything about Carson. Carol will lie about, so.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I would not take uh, him. I would, I would take Carson and Connor over Bell. Actually, now that I think about it, I, I, Carson's just been the guy, as you were just mentioning, Matt. I, I just think they're going to rely on him when he comes back healthy. So uh, I, I like Carson on a, on a very run heavy team. Denzel Mims wide receiver 36 in 2020 over or under way over over I am going to take the over as well ADP of 91.17 wide receiver 46 off the board just ahead of him Michael Pittman Brandon Cooks and Nikhil Harry I would take him over Harry but that is it uh for me Cooks would be a toss-up what about you guys
2: I would, uh, you know, I, I, I have him and Pittman ranked pretty closely in rookie drafts. I probably go Pittman, Uh, Cooks. If I'm doing a startup, I'm going to take Cooks because I expect Cooks is going to play, and I feel like while the ADP might say uh, he's just ahead of him. I feel like I might be able to get him uh, if I if I wait wait, uh, and I'm uh, I'm getting more and more on the Nikhil Harry train. Uh, I I think he he may have it may be that he may break out this year.
3: You know, I think that Nikhil Harry train is going to end up next to the Penny train somewhere in the train graveyard, but uh, I would take him over Nikhil Harry. <laughs>
1: All right, James All right. Crowder, wide receiver twenty-one in twenty twenty, over or under. I'm gonna go over.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm gonna go over, but it's it's not gonna be by a lot. I think he's gonna be somewhere, he'll probably be top twenty eight.
1: I'm going to go just a slight over. I, I want him to be right around this area. I think it's just his health, as we as I mentioned earlier. I think that's going to be the biggest thing, keeping him from being a, a really good wide receiver for fantasy this he, year. He
3: hey, did play he, all 16 games last year.
1: Did he? Yeah. Uh, right.
3: games.
1: Darnold, that's what I'm thinking of. Darnold was out though last year. Because when Darnold came back, that's when they really had that connection in the back half of the season.
3: Crowder has actually played 16 games three out of five years, 15 games one year. Only one year, his last year in Washington, was he limited to nine games.
1: Eh, whatever. He's hurt all the time. That's what I know.
3: He might be on the injury list like
1: Brady all the time. Yeah, well, he doesn't produce like Brady does. That's the problem. All right, uh, so did I already read the ADP? I think so. Wide receiver 41 off the board. Just ahead of him, John Brown, Julian Edelman, and Paris Campbell. Are you taking him over any of those three? I'd go over Brown and Campbell.
2: Yeah, I'd go over Brown. Campbell is is one of those, uh, what kind of mood am I in? What's my team look like? Because, it's, you know, he's an Ohio State guy, and, you know, I always can seem to find room for Ohio State guys on my team. Uh I definitely take him over Brown, um, but not Edelman.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I definitely take him over Brown. Campbell would be a, a toss-up. I would say probably nine times out of ten, Campbell's going to end up on my team, just because, as you mentioned, he is a former Buckeye. Just after him, Sammy Watkins, James Washington, and Emmanuel Sanders. I would not take any of those three over him. What about you guys?
2: And I think I'm going Crowder there. Uh, you know, if Watkins could ever get any type of consistency, man, you know, he's he's good for that. Man, that one game a year, the dude is a fucking baller. But, shoot, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if – What
3: are you talking about? He was incredibly consistent last year. <laughs> he's on a 15-game no touchdown. <laughs> no shit. Uh,
2: Washington, I, I can see – you know, he led the, the – I believe he led the Steelers in yards last year, receiving yardage. So I can see a scenario where Washington outscores him uh, being a downfield threat. If Ben's arm is healthy, you know, with Juju in the slot and Deontay Johnson in the intermediate uh, there, there's a possibility that, you know, a a chemistry develops between Ben and Washington, but I've said it before and I'll say it again. I'm, I'm, you know, I, I, I feel like as much as I want to believe that Sanders is going to keep holding on, his injuries are just the type, uh, you know, with the Achilles and stuff, I feel like he's, he's got to I, – I, I'd rather be out too early on him breaking down again than too late.
1: All right, Brashad Perriman, wide receiver 33 in 2020, over or under? Way over.
2: Yep, Over.
1: Same here. ADP of 170.33. Wide receiver 71 off the board. Just ahead of him, Devin Duvernay, KJ Hamler, and Antonio Brown. Are you taking him over any of those three?
2: I'm taking him over Antonio Brown.
3: Can Antonio Brown make a decision? Like one day he says he's retiring, he's done with the NFL. The next day he asked if they could clear up his discipline issues so he'd be eligible to sign with the team.
1: No, he's so a drop. He
3: yeah, I'm definitely taking him over Antonio Brown. I think when you're in that range where you're looking at Rashad Perriman, it would be hard to take him over rookies that you think might have more promise. The, 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 only,
2: the thing only thing play. for me is I'm getting more and more, uh, as I look at people who are doing analytics and, and doing it well, Later round wide receivers, you know, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, as you get later, they don't produce like we like we have this illusion that they do. And so I look at it and it's Perriman is a well, not a great NFL receiver. He's proven, we know he can do it. And if I have to bet whether Devin Duvernay uh, on Baltimore, is going to be uh, a startable wide receiver at any point over the next two years versus uh, Brashad Perriman, I'm probably going to choose Perriman. But if I my team is pretty well set, I've got decent depth, um, then I'm probably going to go with the rookies.
3: Well, that's the thing. I, you know, I was just looking at Baltimore. DuVernay had an incredible year last year for Texas, 103 receptions, 1,300 yards. But when you looked at Baltimore last year, for as as good as their offense was going, I mean, Andrews led them with sixty four receptions. Hollywood Brown only had forty six catches. It's not exactly a huge and robust figure. Then Nick Nick Boyle, their backup tight end, had thirty one catches. Hayden Hurst, their other backup tight end, had thirty catches. And then they had Sneed with thirty one. It's just hard to imagine they're going to have a lot of wide receiver volume.
2: Period. Yeah. You know, Jackson has to take a step with his uh, with his passing. Uh, he was super efficient last year. You know, he had thirty six touchdowns on what like four hundred and sixty pass attempts. Um, that that's very very efficient. It, it if he can take that next step, if he drops from what do you have thirteen hundred yards rushing, twelve hundred yards,
3: twelve hundred.
2: If he drops down to eight hundred. 750, but he replaces that with additional passing and passing efficiency, then that's good for the wide receivers. Um, I, I think uh, in the end, they probably don't want Jackson running that much, but, man, he's good at it. And so if he can up that passing game, Hollywood Brown should benefit pretty well. you know. I think it's a, it'll be a team where there's going to be one – wide receiver beneficiary to compete with Andrews. And right now, the money has to be on Brown.
1: All right, so just after him, Golden Tate, Alan Lazard, and Alshon Jeffrey. Are you taking any of those three over Perriman?
2: I'm probably taking – I'm definitely taking Tate. Uh, I have a soft spot for Alshon Jeffrey. And so um, if I keep hearing reports that – He's looking good and you know the difference between Perriman and Jeffrey is when he's healthy Jeffrey is starting and getting targets Perelman has to wait for everybody else to not be healthy this is going to be the year where Perriman gets the opportunity to start again and be the guy uh, but I'm not banking on it and and I just don't know what to expect from the wide receiver too and uh, um Green Bay, but given the state of Green Bay's offense versus uh, New York's offense, I would probably go Lazard.
1: What about you, Matt?
3: I would definitely take uh, Golden Tate, but that's it
1: for me. Uh, I would take uh, Tate and Lazard. I'm 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 kind of big on Lazard this year. I don't think it's going to be MVS that steps forward, and I just I don't know. I don't think. Perriman is really gonna do much. So I think you're just kinda of taking a shot in the dark at two possible uh or two wide receiver twos on their teams to, to really do much. So I am gonna take Lazard uh with an offense I think is gonna be a little bit more pass heavy. Chris Herndon I'll be League winner. No, maybe, maybe. For you at least, not for me. Um Chris Herndon, tight end sixteen in uh twenty twenty. Over or under. I will take the under. What about you guys?
2: Yeah, I I think he's. Yeah, I don't think he's gonna be top ten, but somewhere between ten and ten and fifteen, that seems feels about.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think it's about right. I'm gonna go, slight over, like tight end seventeen, eighteen.
1: All right, ADP of 180, tight end 23 off the board. Just ahead of him, Cole Komet, Jay Sternberger, and Blake Jarwin. Would you take him over any of those three? I'd take him over Komet.
2: Yeah, I'd definitely take him over Komet. I don't – you know, I'm not sold on Sternberger. Um, I want to be. I feel like the talent is there, but also Rodgers not really – using the tight end very efficiently is also a real thing. Um, Jarwin, as much as I want to, uh, as much as I was in on him earlier in the season, I've cooled off some since they drafted C.D. Lamb. Um, Well, there's going to be a lot of targets to go around in Dallas, uh, I have some concerns about efficiency. I think Sternberger will still probably, or not Sternberger, Jarwin will still probably be in that, 75 target range um you know if this was last year i'd be herndon all day uh, but uh i think right now i'd probably take jarwin over him if push comes to shove because i that's probably where i'd be drafting my tight end two. and i feel more comfortable um with jarwin as my tight end two uh versus sternberger or excuse me versus herndon
1: yeah, I would uh, – take him over Jarwin and Komet for sure. Sternberger would be a toss-up. I'm, I'm big on Sternberger. I think he's he's going to start to break out there in, in Green Bay. I, I really liked him coming out the last year anyways. Uh, just behind him, O.J. Howard, Eric Ebron, and I'm pretty sure that's Dawson Knox, not Dawson No. Would you take him over – take any of those three over Herndon?
3: I – you know, I really love Dawson Knox, but I just don't know if the volume is going to be there. So uh, that would be kind of a toss-up for me. But that's the only one that would be close.
2: Yeah, I, I can make the case for taking OJ Howard based on what we believe the talent is, and if we're if we're drafting a startup the prospect of him being your third or fourth tight end that you're going to be playing next year the year after, I think the case can be made for that. Uh, Ebron. So noted Ebron Hayter here. And hopefully the guys in this draft, so eight of the 12 guys from my Scott Fishbowl draft, Uh, added a few more guys, and we're doing a Scott Fishbowl scoring redraft league. Uh, We're drafting right now. We're in the 12th round. The only thing we couldn't do on sleeper was the uh, extra half a point per first down for the tight end. So we're coming up. uh, We are at pick 12-8. I had the 101, so I pick in five picks, and I have yet to take a tight end. But I am kind of uh, I, I'm I'm looking at uh, Eric Ebron as possibly I'm I'm looking at, I was hoping Fant would continue to fall but he went a couple picks ago but I think I might double tap uh, John U Smith and uh, Eric Ebron at the turn
1: nice I would definitely do a uh, John U Smith but uh, definitely not uh, well I would definitely take. Johnny Smith first, and then if you can get Ebron later, do that. But, but Johnny Smith will be the guy that I'd go for. All right, so I, I was going to bring up Ryan Griffin, but he doesn't even have an ADP because he's not getting drafted. So I figured we could just skip. On. I just wanted to throw that in there so we could throw it out there that hey, apparently everybody is in on Grif- uh, Herman being the guy for the Jets. So the Miami Dolphins, they finished 5-11 and last year. Can Fitz Magic keep these guy, all these guys' fantasy relevant if we're assuming he's going to start most of the season?
2: What was the question? I was reading something.
3: Yeah, so I mean, I like I like the receivers with Fitzmagic and I I think he probably will start. He'll start for sure probably at the beginning. I think he could end up starting most if not all the season. Um, I still don't think the Dolphins are really looking at 2020 as their year. I think they're, they're looking a little bit beyond. They seem to have good faith and good energy playing with their new coaching staff, and they've been building things. I liked the way they finished last year. I thought they were kind of fun to watch. So, uh, you know, I, I like his
1: potential. Uh, the question, Dennis, was do we think that Fitzmagic can keep all of those guys' fantasy relevant?
2: Well, for the games, he's not throwing five interceptions, yes. Uh, I I like Fitzmagic. I, I think, well, when I look at the Dolphins' offense, they're going to be balanced this year. They brought in Jordan Howard. They brought in Matt Breida. Um, and say what you want about those two guys. They're better than the running backs they had last year. Uh, except for Kenyon Drake, which they didn't use quite right either uh, until they got until he went to Arizona. So they're going to be pounding the ball with Jordan Howard and throwing the ball to Matt Breida. You've got Gusecki at, at tight end. And then you've got Devontae Parker and, and Preston Williams on the outside with Allen Hearns and Albert Wilson uh, as your three and your four. I <laughs> How many do you who do they have to keep happy? You know it's really it's it's Gesicki, Williams and, and Parker. Everybody else when it comes to uh, receiving threat is not really going to be relevant. Breta maybe from the uh running back position is a pass catching running back, but from the the actual receiving position, it's those three guys and I think uh, uh, Fitz Fitzpatrick has shown over the course of his career, that he can support three receivers at a fairly high level.
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll be interested to see, um, especially with Preston Williams, who we'll talk about here in a minute, if how much he can bounce back with Fitzmagic. Uh, so the new additions, Adam Shaheen, uh, this trade just happened a couple days ago, uh, traded for a 2021 7th, I believe. I heard someone say it was the 5th. I could have swore us all 7th. Uh, It was a conditional sixth-round pick. It was in between the two that I had heard, so thank you for that, Matt. Uh, Matt Burrito was traded for a fifth-round pick during the draft. Jordan Howard signed a two-year deal, and then, of course, Tuatonga Viola was drafted in the first round. And an interesting guy for me, Malcolm Perry, uh, drafting the seventh round out of Navy. I don't know if he'll really do much fantasy-wise. I imagine he's going to be more of a – uh, like a kick returner, punt returner kind of guy, but he's an explosive guy. He's a guy that I, I was happy to see got a uh, NFL contract. Uh, the losses in expiring contracts, this was interesting to me. No real losses in free agency in 2020 for the Miami Dolphins. And then expiring contracts, Fitzpatrick, Matt Breida, and Adam Shaheen will all be expiring at the end of the season. Fantasy fishes, uh, Fitzpatrick QB 16 with 254.46 points. Jordan Howard RB 44 with 111.4 that was was with Philadelphia. Matt Breida RB 46 with 103.3 with San Francisco. Devontae Parker wide receiver 11 with 246.2 points. Preston Williams wide receiver 77 with 90.8 points but did only play in eight games. And then Mike Gasicki tight end 12. With 136 points. So over under on the games that Ryan Fitzpatrick starts this year being 12. I'm going to say slight over.
2: They have a week 11 or week 12 bye, don't they?
1: Who's hot, Jared? I need you to specify. We, we need to know. Let me look at uh, their bye situation. Uh, yeah,
2: I think their bye is pretty late in the season. And so I think if Fitzpatrick is playing them into the playoffs, he's going to keep starting. Um, if if it's faltering and Tua is healthy, then I could see them mixing it up and getting Tua playing time Um while they get him prepped to actually start to play whole games, so uh, you know, it comes down to: Do I believe they're going to contend for the playoffs? Uh, they should. They should be above the Jets. Uh, then New England. I don't feel. I. I don't feel they're going to be a playoff contender. Uh, after week eight. So I'm going to take the under.
1: What about you, Fox?
3: I started, I said slide over and Dennis is right. They have a week 11 by.
1: All right. So I will go uh, week 11 by. So I said 12, right? Is that what I put? 12, 12, games. So yeah,
3: 12 games.
1: I'm gonna go under. Then I think at worst, week 11 comes. They're probably not going to be in it. Uh, so I'm I'm gonna take the under. I think uh, I think Tua starts there in in week 12. Uh, I just messed up all my stuff here. Okay, so who do you guys trust more for this season, uh, Jordan Howard or Matt Breida?
2: Howard.
3: Yeah, I trust Howard more too. Breida's another guy that. Seems to have trouble staying on the field, just staying off the injury report.
1: All right, let's see here. Believe or not believe in Parker and what Parker showed us last year? I mean, believe in what sense? I I think he's still there. More of what we saw last year or the year before?
3: I think it'll be closer to what we saw last year than the first four years of his career where he was basically non-existent. But it will be interesting to see what happens, you know, if Williams is healthy. We thought Kaseki was taking a step up. If they actually have a running game, I think the hard, the easy thing to forget is the Dolphins' leading rusher last year was Ryan Fitzpatrick with 243 yards. So, you know, if they have a more balanced offense and they have some other options, Parker may not get peppered with as many targets.
2: Yeah, I, I think Parker is gonna be more like the first half of last year when Williams was healthy. So he's going to be the second wide receiver. Williams will be the wide receiver one. Parker will be the wide receiver two. I is there going to be a huge difference in their targets? Probably not. I think if both stay healthy all season, you're probably looking at you know 110-120 targets for Williams 90 to 100 targets for Parker and, you know, 90 targets for Gesicki. I won't be the least bit surprised if uh, Jordan Howard has 275 to 300 carries.
1: All right. What are we hoping for from Preston Williams this season? It being him coming off a, a not necessarily late season, but mid-season ACL tear. There's a chance, obviously, hopefully that he plays. What are you guys expecting from him uh, in the 2020 season?
3: I mean, he had 60 targets and 32 receptions in eight games, uh, which was pretty impressive. He seemed to have a nice chemistry going there if he can come back and be healthy i think Dennis is right he has potential to be there wide receiver one because he was he was tracking for 120 targets that's where Parker ended up at 128 um, you know i like his his potential a lot and that was really the last couple of games before he got hurt uh, just really kind of taken off i think it was the game he tore his ACL he was the one that he caught six for 72 and two touchdowns
2: yeah I think they'll ease him into it uh, at the beginning of the season. They're, you know, with this truncated off-season, they're they're going to hopefully play it smart and if uh you know Flores who seems to be the most similar uh in approach to Bill Belichick or at least the most successful in in uh Instituting the approach of Bill Belichick so far, uh, I I think that uh, they'll, they'll take it kind of easy and cautious with Williams. But by midseason, I expect he'll be uh, full go uh, and just tearing it up uh, as the unquestioned number one. <laughs>
1: So Mike Gusecki has kind of been trending forward here every season. Do we expect him to continue moving up, or do you guys expect him to kind of stick at where he's been at, which is that bottom tier tight end one range?
2: That's a good goddamn question, man.
3: Thanks. I think Dennis said he thought was around 90 targets for Gasecki. He had 89 last right. year. Um, I just looked up the splits for you, Dennis. So in the first 80, eight games that Parker and Williams played together, Williams had 60 targets, Parker had 52. So they were relatively, uh, relatively even. I think Gasecki probably is at least around where he he was. He seemed to to come up. I think he's kind of in that. High end, tight end two, fringe tight end one territory kind of depends when you're in that range a little bit on touchdowns.
2: So for me, Gesicki, year three, it's time to put together the consistency part of it. We know he's super athletic. We know he's good in the open field. They brought in Shaheen, who's – they're going to put Shaheen on the end of the line. which should free Gesicki up more uh, to be a receiver. Can Gesicki convert from being a, a big athlete playing tight end to being a, a true receiving tight end in year three? Um, the jury's out, but I think we're going we're gonna to get there. Uh, I, I think he'll have a pretty good um, – uh, I, I think he's going to have a pretty good season so uh, I I think he's gonna be in the back end tight tight end one um, c- competition pretty comfortably
1: yeah yeah I agree with you I'm, I'm actually kind of excited to see him uh, see him play this year he was one of those guys I think a lot of us in this I mean all three of us uh, were lucky enough to be in the Scott fishbowl this year he seemed to be that guy that a lot of people were trying to attack uh, kind of in that second like Waiting. if you waited on tight end, that that guy that everybody wanted to attack because they thought he would take a step forward this year. All right, so over-unders, Ryan Fitzpatrick, again, assuming he plays however many games. I I know I went under, so 11 games. Uh, But QB, 17, I will take the over. What about you guys?
3: I'm going to go with the over as well just
2: because I don't
1: think he gets a whole season. Over for me as well. All right, ADP of two forty two, QB thirty seven off the board. Uh, just ahead of him, there's literally no other real quarterbacks being drafted behind him. Uh, just ahead of him, Tyrod Taylor, Jared Stidham, and Philip Rivers. Uh, I would not take any of them over Fitz because I kind of feel like all three of those guys are probably in the same boat as Tyrod, and I know for sure Tyrod's likely the starter. Uh, I guess maybe. Wait. Right
3: yeah, isn't that those three guys are going ahead of Fitzmagic? So
1: oh yeah, so am I taking him over any of those three? Are you taking him over any of those three? I would take him over Tyrod and Stidham, not Rivers. I apologize. What about you guys?
3: Yeah, that's probably the probably the same for me because I think he has more upside in his limited starting time as a seat warmer than Tyrod Taylor does, and Stidham. You know, we don't know if he's ever going to play because Cam Newton's not incredibly old. So if Cam Newton works out, you could see them making a more long-term commitment, and then you know, is Stidham kind of a career backup?
2: You know, there's good money to be made as a career backup. So I just ask Chase not, Daniel.
3: I'm not disparaging it as a lifestyle. I'm just saying I'm not sure I'm I'm spending my fantasy draft capital on that. If, what about you if,
2: again? If I could have a lifestyle brand, career NFL backup quarterback would be it. Uh, I, I would take Rivers. Um, I, I think him and Fitz Magic have roughly the same amount of time left. <clears throat> you know, as I say that out loud, uh, do I like T.Y. Hilton and Michael Pittman and Paris Campbell more than I like uh, Devontae Parker, Preston Williams, and uh, Albert Wilson yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, Preston Williams might sway it for me.
1: Uh, All right. Good, but he's not better than the whole group. <laughs> well, the
3: Colts also have a better running game and a better offensive line, so I think they're going to be a better, more efficient offense.
2: Yeah, so, you know, I, I like Rivers. I, I, You know, he's a, he's a, been a consistent quarterback throughout his career, and he's going to be playing with one of the best offensive lines he's ever had, so. Uh, I I expect Rivers to have a pretty good season.
1: All right. Tua, Tonga, Viola, QB 27 in 2020, over or under?
2: Over. Over.
1: I will go over as well. ADP of 122.83. He is QB 11 off the board. Just before him, Baker, Burrow, and Josh Allen. Would you take him over any of those three, Dennis?
2: Well, you know, I had two as my QB one in the rookie class, and so I feel like I gotta take him over Burrow. Uh, I at that range I'm not taking a starting quarterback, probably a quarterback. Boy. I I, I don't think it, it, it doesn't you know, the looking at the, the numbers. It doesn't feel like Tua should be around Baker Baker Baker's, Baker's in, in the start- starter. starter So So I I, I think I, I'm I think going, I'm going, going, I'm going to take, I'm going to Baker. take Baker I'm, going to, I'm take, going to take probably Baker and Tua over Burrow and Allen
3: yeah, I mean, that's the, the tough thing about where, uh, where he's going, QB11 in Dynasty. You're, you're taking him for the long haul, which I get, but, you yeah, know, that way, range, you're, thinking you're thinking about, about a, 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 a starting a, option. So I, I would take him over Burrow, too, because I had him ranked higher, but I'm not taking him over the other two.
1: Oh, man, this is hard for me. I probably wouldn't take him over any of them. I, I think Burrow's going to be really good. Obviously, I love Baker, so I can't take him over Baker. And then Josh Allen, I think just with uh, with his rushing upside, I do think that he is he eventually – we talked about him, obviously, last Monday with the, with the Patriots and the Bills. I think he's going to continue to progress forward, and his rushing upside does, it, uh, does a little bit more for me than Tua. So just after him, Matt Ryan, Aaron Rodgers, and Daniel Jones, are you taking any of those three over Tua, Matt?
3: I I probably will take Daniel Jones. Um, you know, I think he's already set. He sh- he showed some stuff. Uh, I like his supporting cast. Um, Tua seems kind of like a, a long term play to me. And you know, given that Ryan and Rogers are older, and Rogers in particular seems to be in a precarious state where the offense of is shifting away from passing, and he's got an air potential air apparent behind him you know, I think I would bet on Tua in the future. That's the guy the Dolphins seemingly were going for for two years that they got. I think they're going to do everything to try to help make him a success.
2: Yeah. Am I winning now or am I building a team for next year or two years is really what it comes down to. Um, I'd probably take him over Rogers either way. I do feel like, uh, Green Bay is moving towards a more run-oriented offense. Jones, I go back and forth with. You know, he was a turnover machine last year. Does that sort of portend what his future is going to look like, or is he going to be able to work his way out of that? Ryan, at thirty-four years old, I think he's still got three or four more years, and that's a that's a high-volume offense. So I, I'm probably taking Ryan over Tua to, uh, to win now.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. I think Ryan and Jones, I'm for sure taking over Tua. Rogers is kind of the coin flip for me. As everybody knows, I haven't been that big on Tua, so I'd probably still take him over Rogers because I think the longevity is there for Tua, but that would actually kind of be a hard one for me just because I'm just not as sold that Tua is going to be quite as good a pro as as some others are. Uh, Jordan Howard, RB22 in 2020. I am going to go under. What about you guys?
2: I go over. I I think that's a great number. Uh, like I said, I'm not going to be surprised if he gets 275 carries. Um, you know, at four yards a pop, that's going to put him at uh, you know 1,100 yards, give or take. And he's at five eleven and 230 pounds. He's the goal line back, so uh, I I feel like he's in for you know. Uh, one thousand or eleven hundred yard season with seven or eight touchdowns. Um, so uh, I I'm definitely taking the under, you know, because he's not going to be in there for three downs, and I don't think he's going to get the volume of, uh, you know, Chubb or Henry. I, I put him uh, probably just outside uh, the top fifteen.
1: All right, ADP of 121.5, RB 41 off the board just ahead of him, Antonio Gibson, on Johnson, and A.J. Dillon. Are you taking him over any of those three?
2: Probably take him over all those three. Yeah, so you're at, you want me to, to, to take a running back that has 33 career college carries over a running back that's <laughs> carried the ball 250 times a season for the past three years? Uh, yeah, I'm gonna definitely take it, take taking Howard over Gibson. You know, right now, uh I, I feel like Howard's role is secure for the next couple of years. Carrion's role is up in the air, and you know, AJ Dillon is just a, a big back with limited vision and no power. So I, I'm not I I I'm not worried about AJ Dillon impacting Aaron Jones.
1: Uh, yeah, I, I would take him over all three as well. Um, I, th- I think that's actually kind of easy for me. I'm, I'm, I was actually kind of surprised when I saw Carry on and Gibson were both going ahead of Howard. Just after him, Damian Williams, Philip Lindsay, and James White. Are you taking any of those three over Howard?
3: I'm taking I'm not taking Williams. I'm, no, I would take RB two in fantasy, RB one in my heart, Philip Lindsay over uh, over Howard, but Williams probably will start the year and, and have a decent start to 2020 but I don't think he's the long term guy there so uh, I think Lindsay's the only one that would take over.
2: I mean the, the case can be made for James White to you know catch in 75 balls um, but I I like Howard's role uh, to be Howard doesn't have competition for his role. Uh, Bill Belichick really has no qualms about um, putting Rex Burkhead in in the James White role if he feels like it. And so with th- that being said, uh, I'm taking Howard. You know, Lindsey's a coin flip. I, I, I like Lindsay's talent. I've warmed up to him. Um, I, I, I think it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out in Denver. So Lindsay would be a coin flip.
1: Uh, yeah, Lindsey would be the only one that's close for me, uh, and I would still only probably lean Howard just because I think he's going to be the guy, and that hurts my heart to say because I do love I do love Philip Lindsey as well, uh, but I think I'd, I'd I'd lean Howard there just because I think he's going to get a, a majority of the of the workload there for Miami. Uh, Matt Breida, RB thirty in twenty twenty over or under? I will go slight over. What about you guys? I go over
3: as well.
2: Yeah, I think he's gonna I, I think he can flirt with that RB three, but I think he's gonna be somewhere in that uh, you know, thirty-one to forty range.
1: All right. ADP of one twenty nine, RB thirty off the board. Just ahead of them. James White, Philip Lindsay, and Damian Williams. Would you take him over any of those three?
3: I take him over Williams. Ditto.
1: Yeah, I think same here. White, maybe, just because I, I, I just don't like to trust him. After, after what Michelle did to me last year, I don't want to trust in any new England. It just England.
3: feels like he consummately ends up as an RB2, though.
1: Yeah, I know, but I just, you know, I want to avoid New England at all costs, if possible, after what happened to me with the Sony-Michelle hype last year. So it would be a coin flip. I'd probably take White more often than Brita, but I think that Lindsey is for sure way above it I wouldn't even think about. Uh, just behind him, Anthony McFarland, Tony Pollard, and Darrington Evans. Would you take any of those three over uh, Breida?
2: I would not. Me either. Um, there, I, I can see the case being made for Pollard or Evans to be the be more involved in the pass catching on their teams, but um, I, you know, we're we're not we're only a season removed from what Zeke catching, what, 90 balls or something like that, or having 90 targets. Uh, and so as much as I'd like to see, you know, Pollard come on and, and be relevant, I don't think this is going to be the year. Uh, and, and Evans, you know, he could be, he, it, it's possible, but I know right now in my heart that Breida is that pass catching back you know, that's what they brought him in to do. Now. I also feel pretty confident in my heart that after about six games, breed is going to be missing practices with injuries because that's sort of how he rolls. Uh, but he typically shows up at, in the games and produces even when he's dinged up. So uh, I, I like Brito Brita.
3: So side note, after, uh, after Brita was traded to Miami, a Dolphins fan in one of my leagues traded me David Montgomery for Brita straight up. Well, good for you. That was a home I felt, part. I mean, Brita could Brita could be good in Miami, but I felt like that that seemed like a no brainer. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely.
1: Uh, for me, I would take Evans. Uh, I've i kind of been big on Darrington Evans being the passing back there for Tennessee. I don't know how much they're going to get it, but I've I've talked about as uh, I was made a mockery of on my own show when I had uh, Derrick Henry as low as I did in uh, the running back ranks. I think he's going to take a little bit of a step back. I really like Evans. I think he's going to have a, a pretty good year there for Tennessee. So I, I'm, I trust in him long-term as well. Breed is going to be a free agent. I don't know if he'll be back in Miami or where he goes after this year. Uh, so give me a guy like Evans moving forward. Devontae Parker, wide receiver 18 in 2020, over or under?
2: I'm going over.
3: I think we need to really quickly pull up our wide receiver ranks. I feel like that's super close to where I am. Well,
2: have. but weren't, weren't those rankings we were doing redraft, though? No,
1: Are they? Yeah. Everybody's He's 20. asking. 20. Yeah, they, over-unders for this year. It's just this year. Well,
2: yeah. I'm, oh, okay. Because I was saying I asked a question if it was redraft or dynasty that's, earlier, and you all said for, yeah, yeah.
1: That's, that's for the what change it, the people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We 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 mix all the rules up here. All right. Uh, I'm gonna go over as well. I'm not as uh, I've already I've mentioned it before. I'm not a big believer in Parker, and I think Williams takes a. I'm hoping Williams takes a step forward as as Dennis had me fall in love with him last year, uh, when he when he became a a dolphin as well. So I I'm I'm also
3: going over because I just realized I ranked him 25th. We already unveiled that if I would have listened to Thursday's show.
1: All right, so where was I at? ADP of 63.67. He is wide receiver 30 off the board. Just ahead of him, Jalen Rager, Tyler Lockett, and Robert Woods. I would not take him over any of those three. Would you guys? I
3: would not either. I like all
2: those guys better. Mm, I think I'd take him over Rager. I mean, Mm. you just don't know. He's a rookie wide receiver coming in with no training camp. Might Might be time to get Ray on He's going to be, I I get it. He's going to be good, but he's, he's also, he's starting the season as the third option behind Ertz and Goddard already. And he, then it's like, well, is he going to be the top wide receiver option with, with the guys they have there? It's likely, but you know, Sanders is going to catch a bunch of passes. It's, you know, I, I feel like uh, Parker is has a more secure role. I'll,
1: I'll give you he has a more secure role, but I, give me give me Rager every day. Every day, all day, and twice on Sundays for me. Uh, let's see here. Just after him, oh, man, why do I always put Sam? I'm pretty sure it's Debo Samuel. Uh, Tyler Boyd or Justin Jefferson, would you take any of those three over Devontae Parker?
3: I mean it's probably Curtis Samuel in that range, because Debo was
1: going top twenty-five. I feel like it's Debo, but I could be wrong. Then he's he going that high though. Curtis Samuel, there's no way Samuel's going that high. That's yeah. up there with Tyler Boyd and Justin Jefferson. It's an ADP of sixty seven. Wide receiver. I know, but they're
3: yeah, they're going around wide receiver thirty. I think Debo Samuel was going around wide receiver twenty two, twenty one. If it's Debo Samuel, I'm taking him over Parker. All day if it's Curtis Samuel, I would probably take Boyd. I don't know about Justin Jefferson. I, I probably would still take it Parker.
1: Since you made me look, I don't know if you can see that or not. Debo Samuel, he's on there that's somewhere.
3: Gotta be, that's got to be his, his Frank injury dropping him. Probably.
1: Yeah, he's, he's right now thirty wide receiver 31 off the board.
2: Yeah, I, I'd i be taking Debo and Boyd over Parker. Um but I'm going to wait on Jefferson, especially since he's quarantined with the COVID.
3: Now that that means he's out for two years, right? I think mean, yeah. that's what
1: we discussed earlier.
2: Yeah. Well, th- that and he's in an offense that only throws the ball like five times a game.
1: Uh, I would do Debo and Boyd as well. I probably take Jefferson. I just I like him. I, I think he's going to be a stud in the NFL. I'm just not sold on Devontae Parker's fifth and a half year breakout. So I'm um, uh, give me give me the young guys, and I'm gonna I'm gonna ride with them, ride till I die. Preston Williams, wide receiver, twenty nine in 2020. I am going to go under, even though that is not in my ranks for him to go under. What about you guys? I'm going to
2: go over. Uh, I'm going under
1: like it i like it all right adp of 114.67 he is the 53rd wide receiver off the board just ahead of him brian edwards mike williams and a.j green are you taking him over any of those three taking him over all
2: three yeah i'm i'm grabbing him over all three
1: I would too. I think Edwards is the one that I'm hesitating on. Cause I really like Brian Edwards there, but I, I am remember that he's
3: wedded to Derek Carr or Marcus Mariota. And you change.
1: Year, I think they're going to draft. They're going to end up sucking so bad. They're going to get Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields next year. <laughs> Dead Brian Edwards is going to be an absolute stud. Uh, no, I think I, I would go Williams just because he's already proven at the NFL level, what he could do. And I do think Tua is a step up from Fitzpatrick. So getting to a throwing him the ball, at least when he's healthy, is gonna help him out even more. So I would I would go him, but Edwards would be the only one I, I might hesitate on. Um I'm assuming this is probably Marvin Jones. Anthony Miller and Sterling Shepherd are all going after him. I really need to start putting first and last names. It is Marvin Jones. Uh would you take him over? I'm sorry, would you take any of those three over Williams? I
3: would not.
2: Neither would I. Though I do like Marvin Jones, I just, you know, I I think Williams is going to be uh, good this year.
1: Sterling Shepard all day, every day. It's got to be healthy. Adventure. I'm just kidding. I wouldn't. I wouldn't take Sterling Shepard over. <laughs> I just wanted to get Matt's reaction. right, there. right.
3: Sterling Shepard's uh, bus is somewhere uh, behind or underneath Rashad Penny's bus and the the other bus that Dennis picked up.
1: Oh, no, hey, it's it's, it's going to be good this year. I have faith in him, but no, I would I would not take it. I think
3: bus is somewhere with Jimmy Hoffa underneath MetLife Stadium. <laughs> it's messed up.
1: It's messed up, man, Jimmy Hoffa. All right, Mike Gusecki, tight end 10 on in the 2020 season, over or under? I'm going under. What about you guys?
2: I think it's going to be just slightly over. I, I, I like him to be a, a back-end tight end one, but I'm thinking way back.
3: Yeah, I'm going to go over, to I, I like him at tight end 13-14 range.
1: Ye of little faith, both of you, and Mike Gusecki, the new tight end five on the 2020 season. ADP of 109.5. He is tight end 12 off of the board. Just ahead of him, Goddard, Tigby, and Fant. Would you take him over any of those three, Matt?
3: I would take him over Higby. I think I really like the way Higby ended last year. He might have a good 2020, but I just think Gusecki probably a better talent, better situation.
2: Yeah, I, I'd take him over Higby. Uh, Scott Connor uh, at Charles Chill on Twitter uh, put out a nice uh, tweet on Higby and Gerald Everett and their usage uh, over the their career. And uh, it was pretty stark uh, on how Higby doesn't get quite the usage that those few games at the end of last season uh, want us to believe he gets. So, you know, when it comes to like targets per snap, uh, receptions, and it was really, uh, I think I'm going to. Uh, I, I'm, I've cooled substantially on on Tyler Higby, um, but uh, you know, is is Zach Ertz ever going to retire? Get moved? Is he going to? Are, are they eventually going to not sign him to an extension? Jesus Christ, he's just killing Goddard. It, it just I think he'll
1: be gone after this year, but what's that? I said I think he'll be gone after this year. Ertz,
2: man, you, you, I don't know. They seem to, you know, I think they want so to. They fundamentally
3: have zero wide receivers, right. so they need two tight ends. Right.
2: So um, I, I think I, I lean Gasicki just because I feel like, the even though Philadelphia throws to the tight end a lot, I feel like the, the dedicated volume is there. It's not going to be split. Um, Fant and Gasicki are a coin flip for me kind of depends on my mood, what my team looks like.
1: Uh, Yeah, I would take him over Higby for sure. Uh, and then, I mean, if, if I'm going to stick with the tight end five narrative, I need to take him over all three. Uh, Fant would be uh, – it would be a coin flip really for me. It just depends. The only reason I think I would uh, is if I'm just being honest, he's getting drafted so much later than all three of those guys. So he's a guy I can get much later. And, and I still, as I said, I think he's going to be a top – top 10 tight end this year and moving forward, so I I would take that value every day of the week. Uh, Just behind him, Austin Hooper, Hayden Hurst, and Irv Smith. I would not take any of those three over him. I imagine you guys will take at least one of those guys over him. Who would you take? I wouldn't take any of them over him either.
2: Uh, I think I might take Irv.
1: Interesting. I thought one of you would go Hurst for sure, just with me to Atlanta.
2: I I like Hurst, but Irv Irv is just so young, and he he's look, look good. He produced in college. He he produced when he had the opportunity last year. Um, at, at that at that range, I probably have another tight end already, and so I can afford to take take uh, a younger guy. Uh, well, I, I don't think Irv is that much younger than Gasicki, um, but for diversification. Uh, you know, I'll go Irv.
1: All right. Well, that does it for our very audio messed up uh, edition here of the AFC East. Uh, we we apologize. Uh, we see, I see a lot of you guys stuck with us for most of us. So we do appreciate that. I don't.
3: Adam Gase engineered the uh, audio for this That's... podcast. So please send your complaints to the New York Jets headquarters.
1: I think I think that had to happen. First day back from vacation. Dennis is dragging ass. I'm hating life with coming back from vacation. Matt's over there. Looks like about to get a whole bunch of rain from the phone alert I just got because my phone still thinks I'm in Colorado for some reason. So it's just this is just a wonderful Monday. But hopefully uh, we'll have everything fixed Thursday when we get back. Again, thank you guys so much for for listening to us today. And we will see you guys again on Thursday with the rest of our not I think we're doing the rest of our wide receiver ranks. I don't even remember anymore.
0: Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your pocket. I came out the wrong line already. And he's in the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for this team. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump and me, God, lead. Oh, the tackle him in the corner. Who can make a play? I can. Who can make a play? I can. <laughs> I can. <laughs>